Hello there, listener. Yes, you specifically. You should know that sometimes, due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode descriptions for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this podcast is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content, so if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement, because we are going down with these ships. Welcome back again to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. Yes, it is. (laughs) Welcome back to this pod. I'm Megs. (laughs) I'm Nathan. (laughs) And this week, we're going to be talking about a fan favourite. We're going mm-hmm. to be doing mm-hmm. Bella Myony. Yes, oh, we yeah. are. Yes, we it's are. It's time for some femme slash. It Psycho. is. Oh, gosh. It is. It is time. So, obviously, we just have to come right out of the gate saying that we're going to definitely be talking about... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're definitely be talking about some uh, some dark themes just because we know, I mean, you know Bellatrix and her character in the stories and then there's Hermione and a lot of Bellamione comes around, obviously people being like, okay, Helena Bonham Carter is hot as hell. And then there's like Hermione, the strong witch, and then the evil strong witch and enemies to lovers. Um, so then there's obviously a lot of intense stuff behind it um especially with if you're going canon version or you know au sort of things but yes so definitely 100 percent go to the description and look at those content warnings because i can tell you already that it's yeah i mean i know i have stuff that i'm gonna talk about so (laughs) i just want this is going to be this is going to be un poco picante episode (laughs) this is our spiciest episode yet yes uh and we will not be pulling any punches so if that does not sound like your cup of tea and you're like you know i'm just here for the fluff maybe skip this one and come back next week because we're not oh my gosh Ah, next week okay we won't we won't spoil it but we're really excited about next next time too it's it's so good (laughs) yeah but the bottom line is uh, especially given our like feedback survey we want to make sure that we're giving you a nice wide variety of different kinds of ship Mm -hmm. and styles and and uh, ideas so this is why we're going ham today Mm -hmm. with the kink and the bdsm yes because we yeah and some, uh, probably some non-con. <laughs> well, yeah, throw this one. It's a thing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Meg, you can't see this, or maybe you can see, actually, if you're a patron. That's true. So if you're, if you're a patron, you're seeing the, the glee on Meg's face right now at the, at the prospect of talking about non-con. Meg's is just like, yes, give me it right now. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Yes. That's true. That's fair. That's. <laughs> 
mean, I'm, I'm, oh. I just, I just want to give the listeners that aren't seeing yeah. picture an adequate description mm-hmm. of what is going on with your beautiful face right now. Because, <laughs> Why, because it is, thank you. <laughs> it is filled with glee at the prospect of talking oh. about some really sketchy stuff today. Yes. And yes. You know what? I, I'm excited because last mm-hmm. week we did some, uh, we did some stuff, and mm-hmm. this week we really get to dive into the deep end mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and just just have a play about in some darker areas yeah and... just because i mean like you said it it's funny it took us a while to actually like i think until like pansy ron to really kind of embrace talking like kinky stuff you know what i mean yeah. like, we're like like oh yeah we have our funny intro like yeah this is a rated you know r pod or whatever and yeah. we're just like yeah we're making like fluffy prompts and we're just talking <laughs> about how much we love these characters and how cute they are together <laughs> which is amazing obviously <laughs> but then we're like gosh darn it Nathan, why the hell? I know. <laughs> We're I know. not talking about any sex. Like, what is happening? Exactly. Like, where is it? Where is it? We promised the listeners some nice smutty times. Yes. And then we're all like, but I think because, <laughs> I think because we were both so new to the pod. Yeah. And we were still dealing with like new to the pod nerves. Yes. And we were still finding our feet. But now, do you know what? We're comfortable enough. Mm-hmm. We are, we are fully intent on embracing that side of ourselves in the pod as we do in real life. I think probably the biggest thing as far as growth for us was the fact that we read Heal Me together. (laughs) (laughs) So if anyone has not listened to the episode that will not be released, um, it is on our AO3. It's called Heal Me. It was written by me uh, for Draco Tops Harry. It was far too graphic for us to release for the podcast but mm-hmm. it was it was recorded it was done it was a lot of fun it was super embarrassing um so highly recommend we definitely <laughs> have a great time uh what was it someone commented that they couldn't believe a, a fic that took them 30 minutes to read was a two-hour pod fic so- uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a real journey. I mean, if we weren't friends before, right? Uh, we we left that recording being like bosom buddies because <laughs> it it requ- it required. Uh, I was going to say it required a depth and sensitivity, and then maybe th- those really aren't the Ooh. right. That that really isn't the the sort of the right language yeah. to be using. Anyway, go back and listen to that fic if mm-hmm. you're okay with us yeah. traumatizing you. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Like I can laugh about it now. It's been a couple weeks, so <laughs> it will yeah. require a strong constitution and maybe just while we're reading the the smuttier bits, make sure that you're not in the middle of a sip of your drink because it will go up your nose. That's and then. <laughs> That is true. That is true. I literally spat all over myself. I was taking a drink and it just, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. So so just look after yourself, but also maybe listen <laughs> to this in a, da- in a dark room away from other people. Um, and, you know, if you, if you need to shower afterwards, no one will judge you, um, you know, uh, but we make content for all sorts of audiences here mm-hmm. and um yeah this is one of the reasons we're now as close friends as we are yes. because once you've once you've done something like that together mm-hmm. you you can't go back you, there's no there's no 
undoing that. Right. So on a side note, I just realized based on when this episode's going to be released, um, this is our episode just before Halloween, I think on October 25th. So I think it getting a little like seedy and creepy and stuff is probably pretty fun and appropriate if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But however, also tidbit. So Puffcast actually asked us on to be on their Halloween episode. And we happened to write a crack fic together. And we are going to read it on their podcast. Of course, there's no smut. It's a family-friendly pod. Very difficult for us to keep things reined in as far as writing fic goes. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be so much fun. And yeah, I just I just remembered that. So yeah, I'm not sure when it released, whether it has already or will closer to Halloween. Um, go check it out for sure. We love the people over at Puffcast, mm-hmm. and we are just so excited to be a part of their extended family now as yeah. well. It was super fun. It was super fun mm-hmm. to be involved with them, and I just yeah, they're they're just so wholesome and lovely. They're the best. I love them. Mm-hmm. Can we can we can we be involved with them more often? Can I know. We? Probably yes. Juliana's like a super fan, so I'm sure, I'm sure the whole like she probably is at home right now. Ah. <laughs> Hi Juliana, we love you. Yes, we do. Mel yes, too. We do. Mel too. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Li- Mel's not listening to this. What are we talking about? Mel is not listening to this. Episode. Yeah, we've we've already given the the like super creepy warning of like yeah. don't listen if you don't want to be traumatized. Exactly. And at that point, Mel switched off. Mel was like, "Okay, thanks, bye. Okay, thanks, bye. We'll see you. <laughs> see you in two weeks." <laughs> Oh man! Anyway, anyway. So, what were we? Where, uh, Bellamini, right? <laughs> yeah, we're yeah we're here to talk about Bellamini this week. Um, yeah, it's it's our Halloween week. We're gonna get creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Enjoy. Yeah. So let's delve right into the good stuff. <laughs> Here's why you're here. Here's why you've stuck with us. Congratulations on being our seediest listeners. We love you. There is there is a place for everyone here, and we see you, and we love you, and let's delve right in. All twenty-seven of you. Mm, mm-hmm. Do you know what? You're who we make it for. That's true. That's true. It's I'll fine. take two, even if two of you are like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like we're we're good. Like you know, yeah. it's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is it about this ship to you that you keep coming back? So when I, whenever we obviously start off with these ships, the crazier they get or the more distance the characters get, it doesn't always have anything in canon to like be a foundation of it. This one has it to an extent, but obviously for a very specific type of fic um like yes. some people will if you like dark fic or extremely as you know like more getting into the dubcon non-con thing obviously people like the whole hermione gets tortured by bellatrix and then she becomes a prisoner and sex slave and all that stuff and yeah. that's a thing. so there's canon mm-hmm. <laughs> There, there is yeah it's very specific very hyper specific yes. very attuned to a certain yes. kind of readership and yes. listening ear if you're listening to it in podfic form right but but there are people that in this world that know what they want and mm-hmm. those are the best sorts of people because they can filter for specific tags exactly. and produce this and if you know and if it's not there 
people like this will go out and write that mm-hmm. for other people to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the reason why the dynamism of the fanfic community really appeals to me. It's yeah. why Arthur Lucius was so good. Mm-hmm. And with this one, with Bella Bini, I can absolutely see it. Not in canon necessarily, yeah, but right. what we've already established in the portrayal of Bellatrix as this sort of leather queen mm-hmm. that that she Dominatrix. you know, the BDS, yep. yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> that there is not very much that's left implicit about that side of her mania mm-hmm. she you know several barriers in her mental um sort of faculties are already broken or mm-hmm. have been warped by azkaban right. and we're let we're led to believe that this madness carries over then into other things mm-hmm. and that must be fun to write for people because when you can uh, put yourself in the position of someone who is unhinged, mm-hmm. who who is a little bit deranged, then you can really push the envelope as far as interaction with other characters. Mm-hmm. So as far as then if we bring Hermione into it, throughout the book, she is characterized as this sort of lawful good character mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. is always the intelligent one, always the, you know, the, just the goody two-shoes, kind of. And yeah, by the book, exactly. <laughs> literally. so ha- Literally by the book, yes. So having those two archetypes wrestling against each mm-hmm. other, literally, mm-hmm. can be fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting, enemies to lovers especially, because you think about all the other, you know, like common ones that we think about, like, okay, Draco and Harry, like, okay, through school, they're obviously at odds, and it's like, oh, all it has to do is just fall over into love, or even with Tamari, or things like that, but with this, it's like, people definitely go into it from what I've seen via, like, people's, like, perspectives and comments on why they read it or why they write it, is they're um, interested in Bellatrix as a character, and they want to write around her, and then, of course, like, bringing Hermione in, they're both two, you know, potentially, you could, you know, say really talented with like witches, because um, even like before, like she's one of the top people, you know, that Voldemort relies on, regardless of her sanity. Like even before yeah. everything happened, so to even be like within that, she obviously has a skill set and that he, you know, is drawn to. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have like two strong women. Then of course them ca- coming together can either a make them stronger or two be have a lot of conflict involved because you think two big personalities wanting to like make all the decisions and then things just like fall apart. But I do like the fic. Like when we're getting into like, okay, pretty much everything else is AU. Like it's it's literally making yeah. a world around these characters and how they can be together. That's a little bit more like there's a lot of really romantic, you know, falling in love like fic out there for Bella Myony. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's still like Bella has her personality and then Hermione gets all blushy and, you know, things like that because it's just like that intensity. Um, but when Hermione ends up like going back in time for whatever reason, be it like her fix it 
thing like versus like Harry mm-hmm. going back to like make things better and meeting Bellatrix before she like has her like mind crack yeah um, yeah and even just like becomes either like friends with her or even like friends with some of the other black sisters and getting to know someone differently and seeing them in a different light I just I see those parallels especially with the time travel to like Harry Tom like you're like that's a terrible person who has tortured and killed so many people like why on earth would we want to like ship them with anyone especially that we you know we love and we want you know what's best for but apparently we're like oh yeah you know why not Hermione and Bellatrix yeah well so yeah there's a, there's a certain amount of wish fulfillment that goes yeah. on with this ship, definitely. Yeah. Because Canon Bellatrix is a, uh, you know, mudblood-hating, mm-hmm. you know, w- uh, like, blood purist who uh, is so hell-bent on pushing a, a certain kind of agenda mm-hmm. and is, you know, after her own power uh, and definitely, you know, putting her own selfish self-interests first. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not that's not to say that that's entirely incompatible with right. a, a, a sexual Hermione frisson, but if that is happening it's not sustainable right it's a sort of a a, a lightning in a bottle scenario it's a flash in a pan mm-hmm. it's not sustainable so for it to be any way wholesome or fluffy you have to go au because or you have to go back in time mm-hmm. because you have to be presented with like you say the character either before or after the uh, the shit goes down yeah. so that you can have different parameters to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I like the scenarios where it isn't just, it isn't only wish fulfillment. It's also uh, the AU where uh, Bellatrix never goes insane. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. is, she sort of goes down a serious like path of Mm self-discovery because she has different friends or a different group to find her way in the world. Mm -hmm. And Hermione is then able to grow into the more um, playful, more impulsive, more uh, fun side of her personality. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, she's been this bookish person for you know, for as long as we've known her, it's nice to let her run loose a little bit as well and mm-hmm. watch how that that interacts with, with Bellatrix. Yeah, because even with Bella, like when I read, like, say, like, Marauders-ish era, like, fic, um, but, I mean, usually Snape-centered, hello, it's me. Yeah, of course. But, <laughs> but when Bella's a character in those fic, like, she's already a little, like, unhinged. Like, it's kind of plays into the, like, all Slytherins are evil sort of thing. Like, oh, we know Bella, adult, as super crazy. Obviously, she's mm-hmm. this crazy teenager who, like, you know, is flipping around her her dagger that she freaking kills Dobby with like it's her tre- yeah. like her trinket her treasure which I'm like okay it's a- but like it's a it's it's interesting to think because you think of Slytherin traits and how it's like your ambition ambitious and driven and also interested in learning and becoming stronger and better like I could see her as a Hermione-like character in her time at school, you know, like actually really invested in, like obviously mm-hmm. bettering herself and reading everything and getting involved in everything. And I could see how her mind could have been manipulated to be like, okay, you've 
either like learned all the things or I have more to teach you and her kind of latching onto that when like, you know, Tom or Voldemort gets involved. Um, but I feel like her story in school is less like, okay, she's just like this really like crazy girl, just like bitch out mm-hmm. to get everybody or to manipulate people. Or it's just like, everyone's already bad. Like in some of those, like they're just like, everyone's just already bad. Like as yeah, you know, they've already just, found their evil footing. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they're still teenagers. Like, yeah, Draco was a dick through school. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, okay, he's being a bully versus being like yeah i'm you know i'm involved with someone who kills muggles and all this stuff like granted he was like sucked in at 16 but it was kind of against his will versus like all of these slytherins back then are just like rallying around this and it's just like it's just i don't know it's really interesting not that it's out of you know realm of like possible because obviously they've all grown up in this pure blood mentality and probably their parents are all gung-ho behind you know all of this but a lot of it is you know it would i don't know it's a kind of a round no no that's later (laughs) (laughs) where i'm fascinated with bella's sort of school journey and the differences potentially between you know hermione's route through school and hers is that hermione wants to learn because she's naturally curious Mm -hmm. and i feel like bellatrix would want to learn because she doesn't want to feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to feel isolate. And so she learns and gathers power to kind of bolster and fortify her own position. And obviously she's successful because she becomes this incredibly powerful witch. But I feel like she's essentially pressured into this corner quite Mm -hmm. early. Because that Slytherin common room when she's at school must be relatively high octane Mm -hmm. with... Uh, with other people showing Death Eater sentiments Mm -hmm. and aspirations. So there has to be a really Mm hyper-competitive atmosphere. So whereas if you compare that with Hermione's journey, she's really out for herself and for her own pursuit of knowledge, but it's not really at the expense of anyone else. Right. But I can see Bella developing these ideas early on of it's okay to... Uh, to Mm self-advance and to become very individualistic and, you know, power-driven. And I think this is what, even if she's not mad, I think this is what drives her sort of dom instincts later on Mm -hmm. when whenever they uh whenever they meet or whenever things happen Mm -hmm. because she's really interested in these power dynamics and how she can ultimately whether it's you know inflict the most whatever or get the most enjoyment Mm -hmm. out of the situation Mm -hmm. i can i can just see your face going i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) that's awful nathan why would you say such things How dare! Gay ass! <laughs> the gasp! The gasp! Oh. Oh. No, what, was, what I was going to say to tag on to that is, um, as far as we know, she's the only female Death Eater. Really? Yeah. Like, because we only really know, as far as, like, the Slytherin women go, like, there's the Black Sisters, which Narcissa is, like, really not 
proactively involved. She's married to Lucius. Skylar and sisters. This, <laughs> this guy, no, you're so, so true. And of course, Andromeda marries Tonks. And so then that's, you know, they have mm-hmm. their, she's completely separate from and has absolved herself from anything like that. She's the only one who had the, once again, ambition to push herself to be someone of a female of value within that group. Hello, editing Megs here. Uh, just letting you know, yes, I realized that Electo Caro is in fact a woman and also a Death Eater. At the time, forgot she existed. I mean, for the most part in the books, they talk about the Caros and she has a very small part. So <laughs> I apologize for forgetting her, uh, but it is what it is. So I acknowledge my mistake and I apologize for that. I swear I know things. Like when you look at every, I mean, you, I think I, you read through the list and I'm like, I don't think that there is another woman. Like it's just her because even though with her example, like she has her husband who's also in the Death Eaters. So it could have been like a Lucia situation where he and his brother, you know, they were involved and then she's just like the wife. But no, she almost takes a more proactive role than her husband does. Like we forget he's there. You know, the fact that she yeah. is married and, you know, and they were in Azkaban together. And then after that, we're just like, Ramastan, who's that? Who that? Like, where did he go we don't know and is it it not Rodolphus Rodolphus is the brother of Rabastan right she's married to Rabastan if that's how it's said I don't know Tessa don't you don't yeah don't don't yell at this Tessa (laughs) I I really thought she was this is this is probably this is probably going to get cut but this is the moment this is every week I have a moment where I do something that is like I haven't read the books and this week it's going to be that I think she's married to Rodolphus oh she is married to Rodolphus just kidding yes she is okay I don't know why I was like I don't know. I had that back. Anyway, she's married to a guy that we don't pay attention to. Oh my God. I've definitely been going the other route and I feel so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you know how I feel every Um, single week when I make a mistake like this. So welcome to- This is my Weasley brother. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I know a lot. Sorry that I'm, uh, you know. uh, Yeah, Rodolphus is is definitely- Yeah, anyway- The point is, it's somebody beginning with R that we don't pay attention to for reasons of them being boring as fuck. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, so good. I never framed her in the context of her being the only female Death Eater. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting you say that because there is this sort of tendency in fantasy literature or supernatural literature to queer code female Mm -hmm. villains and uh, do you think that the character of Bellatrix then is just JKR's way of playing up that sort of Ursula pantomime villain uh, where because she's a villainess and she's a Death Eater, she has to be this sadistic, mm-hmm. twisted figure that's very that's well i imagine that she would frame that in a context of like sexual deviancy yeah or yeah. you know yeah i it kind of goes off to what i think in our first episode when we started talking about umbridge and how she was written and how people hate her to such an extent right. but mainly it's like oh she's a woman like a lot of it stems mm-hmm. from the fact that she's a woman if a man made those decisions if a man did that like if it if if her character was replaced by say her husband i don't think it would have had as much of an impact as it does right. with her right and it's just it's yeah it's interesting you say and then just like i'd mentioned 
mentioned before, the fact that we have Helena Bonham Carter as her, which like she's amazing. She's like the most amazing Bellatrix they ever could have cast. And we just were drawn to her and she does the like wild unhinged so well that it's like we know the character. Like if anything I took away from the movies, like a lot of the characters I don't like picture in fan fiction like they're not necessarily representational of who I think but when I think Bellatrix I think of her 100% she's one of the few like yeah that's one of the few that I actually am like okay that's her and yeah she's hot she's she's crazy she's Mm -hmm. like you know and she's wearing like corsets and leather and and even like the long dress and she's just like I don't know she's just yeah I I I don't know. She's she's definitely I whatever. Yes, agree. <laughs> I don't have yeah. words for But but absolutely. Yeah. It, see, I don't know if it further's the LGBTQIA+ cause mm-hmm. to to necessarily throw all of those characteristics at a character and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it's, you know, if that if that helps the cause or hinders it or if it's reductive or if it's actually quite progressive, mm-hmm. but I think it's it sits somewhere in the middle where I'm glad that that representation is there. I wish we saw more of a spectrum of representation or across the characters, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously we we don't in canon because JK Rowling is who she mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And you <laughs> who? Know, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> So, and okay, so what I was thinking, you know, just whatever, processing as I do, um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to obviously the intensity of Bellatrix's character, do you think when it comes to fan fiction in particular, the reason why, not necessarily, I mean, obviously, you know, in the realm of like Bellamione, but because she's such an intense, strong, you know, Dom portrayal, do we feel like her in like a femme slash situation makes the most sense versus her being like in a het scenario of just being a dom over like i guess like her husband or some other guy like whether it's like they're whatever you know like just having like yeah. a woman beneath her to like essentially overpower and be above i don't know i just i can see the mm. appeal as we talk about hermione and how not that hermione isn't like secret kinky she probably you know well i think a lot of fic does show oh yeah that. we've like, talked about that yeah before. like yes yeah. we have we have brought that up where it's like she reads a lot of books so we know that mm-hmm. she knows whatever so but she's- in chapter 37 of the karma sutra Uh, this position is mentioned now what I'd really like to do is try reverse cowgirl this week okay um so so yeah yeah I definitely I definitely feel like Hermione has an encyclopedic knowledge of um different shall we say erotic strategy mm-hmm. that's how she'd she'd approach that yeah. i think i think she'd have a very have a very methodical approach whereas bellatrix i think you you asked if in fan fiction it's more interesting to see her in a femme slash situation mm-hmm. and i definitely think that it is because we see her set up as this transgressive boundary pushing mm-hmm. character who is who uh, skirts the fringes of madness and I definitely think it's interesting to explore that in a less conventional setting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not saying it's mad if you're a woman to love mm-hmm. another woman. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what I am saying, I'm saying that I think it's so interesting because I don't think given a choice, 
Bellatrix would settle for any easy options. Right. And I think if you throw her against somebody like Hermione, Mm -hmm. who is so book smart and regimented and pragmatic and practical, to then... Uh, you have her engage in a sort of a rough and tumble scenario where everything's a bit more wild and frenetic and passionate. Mm-hmm. I want to read that because it's mm-hmm. exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And a couple things on Hermione, like not only is Hermione all those things, but it's a threat to Bellatrix because she is a muggle-born. For her to have yes. all those skills and not be of like pure blood stock, like it's like it's it's got to be like this another mind fuck for her. And mm-hmm. I also see like if we're going into like a canon situation, Hermione is actually like really tough as hell. Like she was freaking being carved into like for a while you know like she's freaking Mm -hmm. writing mud blood into her skin with a dagger and she doesn't talk you know she's just essentially like she's screaming and obviously and you know like being tortured but she doesn't break so i feel like that's something that people probably see as far as that little like slice of their dynamic because Hermione pushes Mm. back. Like she doesn't just like let herself be overpowered. So that's also something that you could see with like the power dynamic of her, her consensually, you know, submitting herself to her too. So yeah. Yes, exactly. But there is an element of Hermione's resilience that comes from everything she's lived through, mm-hmm. everything that she has been faced with. And she's we, we've talked about her emotional intelligence before, but she is incredibly resilient. You know, I'm thinking about the mountain troll in first year. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about coming up against uh, Peter Pettigrew or Sirius Black when they think he is evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, having to coach Harry through his triwizard uh phase mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all all this other stuff setting up the the da you know suggesting that harry tutor them um she knows that lupin's uh, a werewolf for like months you know and she like yes. sits on that and like yeah it's like yes and it's incredibly significant that she chooses not, not to, to talk about mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. because she knows that in the wrong hands that information could be incredibly damaging mm-hmm. so she she but this is what i mean about her being so emotionally switched on she's so she has such subtlety she's so mature for her age she's she isn't just intellectually rigorous Mm -hmm. she's emotionally brilliant and that's why she's able to stand up to someone like bellatrix because she not only is she not going to break she'll know exactly what breaking would mean Mm -hmm. for her and i think she will feel that her character has come through enough that you know if we're dealing with in a consensual relationship of course it's different because the you know the the exchange of power is a bit more free flowing but then if we get into potential non-con areas mm-hmm. uh things get interesting again because you have bellatrix's brute force mm-hmm. essentially coming up against hermione's very honed skill mm-hmm. and lived experience mm-hmm. so i think that you know any combination of having the two of them together it's going to be frenetic it's going to be overcharged it's going to be this this massive um 
you know, display of fireworks. Mm -hmm. How that happens is up to the writer. Yeah, exactly. And something that I can't help but think about in regards to like, say, Hermione's, like Bellatrix's prisoner or whatever, I could see Narcissa being someone who like secretly comes to like care for Hermione, even though like she can't like help her or free her or anything like that it's like the mother in her like knows and sees what's happening but she's not going to stop her sister because she's like she probably even says like oh it's it's my sister like there's nothing i can do but she's like secretly you know so then i'm like i'm like oh now we're getting to sissimini where she's like then then all of a sudden it's like a different sort of stockholm syndrome where she's like oh now i'm falling for the sister who technically isn't really doing a lot for me but is doing more for me than the other crazy ones so it's just like <laughs> <laughs> we are just you know throwing out all the wholesome tropes this oh yes week. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> So then, yeah, so then there's that too, Stockholm Syndrome of like being kept, being a prisoner, and then eventually either seeing the side of, because people love redeeming villains, right? I love redeeming villains. So Bella's another interesting case to be like, how the hell do we do that? Once again, like, obviously, AU can help us do that. But also, it's like, how can we break that down? So, like, eventually over time, say, Bella gets tired of, like, keeping the mask on or, like, she she is a certain way publicly to, like, maintain her status among men. Like, if you think about it, mm-hmm. like, she yeah, has absolutely. this, you know, and then when she's kind of on her own, either be that with her sister or whatever, it's just... It's different. So like, even though she's going to still have this, these feelings toward Hermione, most likely starting negatively, like she, Hermione's going to be stubborn, but then eventually could start seeing the little bits of, of good and vulnerability in Bellatrix that just starts mm-hmm. to create a different sort of, you know, relationship for them. And yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking of a sort of a Beauty and the Beast type scenario. Yes. Yep. That's exactly what I was, yeah. Um, Where, Mm -hmm. because Emma Watson played Belle, so of course my mind goes there. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, you know, Bellatrix is this real beastly character. Mm -hmm. She is, she's all aggression and all fire and all passion. Mm -hmm. And it's very... Um, it is calculated, but she's all in. Mm-hmm. She's just presented purely as deranged. And it'd be really interesting to, because I love, anybody that knows me will know that I love psychological deconstruction. Mm-hmm. I love figuring <laughs> out why people think the way they do. And I think... Yes. And mm-hmm. I think it once you start deconstructing why like you say she has to behave in a certain way mm-hmm. to keep up with all the other the you know the male death eaters or mm-hmm. whoever it is uh then once she's you know privately vulnerable or in a different set of circumstances mm-hmm. she can start to let her guard down right and I mean, what sort of a person do you imagine that bellatrix is when that mask begins to slip oh <laughs> Man, that's so ah, that's so hard to think. I just I feel like we don't get to see it, but I think a big part of it is one she I I like to think that the the three sisters were really close growing up. Mm-hmm. Like they just like they they stuck together pretty close in age as far as like I my understanding goes and then I could see Andromeda's like 
you know, defection to just like do something different could really have been like emotionally damaging to Bella. So I could see her yeah. latching on to Narcissa. You know what I mean? Like hold like she's she's what she has left so i feel like they could have a very combination wholesome slash toxic relationship because bella might be a little bit more dependent on narcissa than she would like to let on publicly because as far Mm -hmm. as we know like bella doesn't have kids and narcissa it's just you know, it's just common that like someone who has children, it's just it's easy for them to think in the perspective of caring for another person, like just thinking mm-hmm. of others before yourself, whereas Bella has only ever known like really, you know, it's it's the Bella show. So I yeah. uh, I feel like you could see there them like if if Hermione was to witness some private time between Narcissa and Bella, I feel like she would see a completely different person like she'd laugh she'd smile she'd you know like I just I feel like that is would be and and probably their secret like even like Narcissa being like the trophy you know the trophy wife essentially like she's just she's the wife and she has to put on a certain mask of her own but she's also like loves her son and would do whatever for her son but I think that it's the only opportunity for them to kind of I don't know be be free to just be vulnerable and not feel like they have to act a certain way because of men that they're right. you know in their yeah. lives um people have ripped me for saying absolutely so when i say things like mm, and yeah you should know as you're listening that i'm really struggling desperately for alternatives to like absolutely absolutely so, definitely yeah. <laughs> oh, oh definitely a hundred percent or in the or as listeners have reminded me, like in the first episode that we ever did, I always said, like, for me. Mm-hmm. So I've so <laughs> thankfully I've What's I've stopped. Interesting bo- is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I really feel like uh, anyway, so so <laughs> I so you you mentioned <gasps> that I do have a point. Okay, I, okay. I do have a point. We're, I'm going we're somewhere. circling back, okay. <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned that uh, canonically, as far as we know, Bella doesn't have any children. Mm-hmm. Do we have to? Do we have no. to talk about no. The, the? No, no, we don't. The Delphi-shaped hole in the room. <laughs> <laughs> do, no! do we? No! Because okay, no! right. Which so I mean, it, if we can. It, I don't. Whatever. It is the it is the official <laughs> opinion of this podcast. I'm sorry that cert, that certain texts do not exist yes we we uh we are you know we're not opposed to the idea of you liking yes no absolutely absolutely not if you love cursed child we are here to support you Mm -hmm. but but there is just so much in that text that that goes against everything we what we agree with like so so we're we're not we're not going to talk about like that side of bella but uh my headcanon for bella always was and this is a bit of a downer but we'll we'll circle (laughs) Uh we'll we'll uh circle we'll circle so my headcanon always was that the reason that she's so dark is because she tried to have a life like her sister did. She had a secret relationship with somebody oh. that her family wouldn't have approved of. Mm-hmm. And she got pregnant with mm. a child, but she never carried to term. And and losing that child was like losing all of the hope that came 
with that relationship. And so she felt like she couldn't pursue it. It wasn't for her. For whatever reason, she, um, I don't know, maybe she was cursed by someone, so she couldn't, she couldn't carry a child. But I always felt like part of the reason she was so venomous and so ardent in her pursuit of power Mm -hmm. is because she tried her shot at the life that her sister had Mm -hmm. and then felt bitter because it was something that she felt permanently excluded from Mm -hmm. and so it propelled her into this so i'm now thinking with these situations where she's with hermione she starts to get glimmers of that happiness again Mm -hmm. that that feeling like she could you know come face to face with something other than just the the absolute inevitability of you, you know whatever being a death eater means mm-hmm. and of course that scares her the, coming face to face with that the reality of a situation where she's not going to be judged she's not going to be constantly set against these mm-hmm. values of having to be you know having to conform having to be a certain way that that frightens her and so in opening up to hermione there's potentially an awful lot of discussion about trauma that we need to go into yeah mm-hmm. because i don't think it's one of these things where it you know it's not a gilderoy lockhart situation where you have the convenience of amnesia yes to yes. <laughs> to to wipe away any sort of idea of the past so um obviously we know Hermione's incredibly patient because she's grown up with Harry and Ron. You have mm-hmm. to develop a certain amount of patience and, and understanding there. Um and she's incredibly resilient. I could just see the that meticulous side of Hermione working in uh Bella's favour when it comes to unpacking all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and so yes that's what allows it to be really hot and steamy Mm -hmm. in certain contexts but it's also what allows for um the longevity of the relationship and the potential for them to stay together as more than just a a one-night stand or a you know a a product of the stockholm syndrome that their relationship has to start with because yeah it's terrible that um you know, Hermione is sort of backed into a corner mm-hmm. and has to engage with this. Mm-hmm. But, but as we all know, good things can happen even if they seem terrible when you're going through them. Mm-hmm. You know, there good good can happen and can manifest in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, something that I was thinking about was we always talk about how the Wizarding World needs therapy. Right? Yes. So let's say that's not stop therapy. So let's say that part of what Hermione does post war is that she decides to become a therapist and then she actually works at Azkaban and works with some reforming like death eaters or like people who survived the war because obviously like anyone involved who didn't die they're all in azkaban you know and so then she being hermione even though it was terrible was like we need to find a way to move forward and hope that these type of ideals aren't like you know don't carry forward so sorry you can you can say the thing and i'll come oh yeah (laughs) you just burped I thought you had something important to say and you're just waving in front of your face, apparently. No, no. Uh, 
Yeah. So I'm so I'm so sorry. She works at Azkaban. Yes. She's she's dealing with uh, a reformed prison system. Mm-hmm. She's helping Death Eaters through therapy, mm-hmm. or at the very least, implementing the system that will help them right. through therapy. And so then I picture, obviously, kind of like a Joker Harley Quinn situation, where she slowly, after you know, trying to treat. Bellatrix like falls in love with her and be that right. a it could be yes like in a non-toxic Joker Harley Quinn way where like he manipulates her and totally gaslights her and yeah I just feel like that's got you know an opportunity there too but regardless it's it's Hermione's belief in believing that there has to be some glimmer of good in everybody and so she does she sees the separation that she's personally gone through muggle-born versus pure blood and seeing all of the you know different like classes and separations of people and her being like you know what i'm hermione fucking granger and i'm going to do something about this and takes Mm -hmm. it upon herself to try and bridge that gap and or at least understand why they are the way they are or think the way they think i mean you think of any sort of like true crime or things like that it's like why why did they do that and like learning the psychology behind it or genuinely it was like they were raised a certain kind of way or literally they have something you know a mental illness and there's things behind that but it's i just think it go plays into her wanting to learn and understand more so that's what i just i could see her doing that yeah absolutely but it is a bit like uh silence of the lambs except where you know clarice is wooing hannibal lecter that the the dynamic would have to there'd also have to be some element of transference right which is that phenomena where people fall in love with their therapists because they're being emotionally vulnerable yes um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so so i definitely see if that is the if that is the case and hermione's going you know two or three times a week to Mm -hmm. to uh, bella's cell and slowly but surely you know they're unpacking Mm -hmm. the emotional baggage or whatever uh I can also see Hermione wondering, having the internal dialogue of, "Am I actually getting through to this woman, right. or is she, or is she being clever and putting up a front of what mm-hmm. she thinks I want to hear?" Mm-hmm. Because, the, the, because they both are very clever people, mm-hmm. and they both have to be aware of each other's capacity for shrewdness mm-hmm. and awareness outside of intelligence. And I really see this being like the mind game of mind games. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. It's more, it, it's, whereas Tom and Harry, it's more sort of visceral and uh, subtle and you know it it sort of can slowly ramp up over time mm-hmm. i feel like this is a this is a a case where there are explosions of intensity that that can meet in any different combination of ways mm-hmm. but i really love the idea that there is a reformed azkaban mm-hmm. and that in that way nobody is absolutely beyond healing or beyond mm-hmm. saving mm-hmm. there is a really interesting idea in this that says that the hopelessness that one might feel of realizing that you've gone down the wrong path mm-hmm. it you know it's never too late to course correct mm-hmm. and i I know there are those people that disagree with that philosophy mm-hmm. because there are the there are the 
people that follow Sartre that say, you know, we're only the, the sum of all of our choices. And while that's true to an extent, how redeemable is somebody like Bellatrix mm-hmm. when, you know, we know that she's she's deranged, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. She She's absolutely gone off the rails at some point. Mm-hmm. The question is... Can somebody like Hermione put her back on the rails? Or is their relationship built out of an inescapable need for Bella to be wild and fiery and for Hermione to need to explore beyond the you know, the boundaries of the life that she's had up to that point? Oh gosh, that's so much to unpack. That's so many questions in one, Nathan. So let's see here. What was I thinking? There was if you a- don't stop me, I, I just what talk and talk and talk and talk. And then the thing and the, the more things and then the things. No, it's and great. No, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. Oh, no, one we got accents long, again. Unbroken sentence. Is this but, you know, I'm going, I'm going Transylvania <laughs> because it, it's Halloween. <laughs> That's true. You're so, right. so, so, yes. So I, right. I produced an essay for about 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> Okay, I don't remember anything that you asked, but what I am going to go back to is something that popped in my head as you were talking. <laughs> so we're not having so a, we're the- not having a conversation anymore. This you don't need another person. You just need a wall to bounce ideas off of. No, by all means, continue. What am I even doing here? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just it's gone. <laughs> So everyone else, you can obviously rewind and listen back to any, whatever he was asking. And then please answer them because I have no idea what it was. Anyway, so I loved the bit that you talked about where them not knowing whether it's genuine or not. Like whether Bella is manipulating Uh the situation because that's also like Tom Riddle. Like like she knows, like you could, like you could anticipate. Like, you could think, like, oh, it's another instance where, like, maybe she's a super attractive woman, you know? And so she uses that to her advantage, too. Like, she knows that it's a tool to use. And so she's, like, been, like, trained and ingrained into that, like, narcissistic, manipulative, like, conniving, like, knows exactly what to do and say to get the response that she needs. And it's just, like, there's so many instances because, I'll be honest, I've been, I struggle from bipolar disorder. So I've been Mm -hmm. through every realm as far as, like, depression, mania, you name it. And even, like, sense of, like, unfeelingness, you know what I mean? And going through therapy and things and knowing exactly what to say to just, like, be done with it you know what I mean like you know what to say you know what they want to hear and so I could see Bella being exactly that but then at the same time Hermione being smart enough to know what's going on and so she just like she's just like you know it's like I have all the time in the world Bella like I'll see you next week you know what I mean like just like not even giving up on it just like oh it's like all right like (laughs) see you next week (laughs) just like the same thing every time until finally it just like she breaks down or you know something like that but yeah I just I just think luckily Hermione is the one person for sure that I feel like would not fall for any of her bullshit so that's just absolutely So you know that thing, so I've been in in cognitive behavioural therapy before, Mm -hmm. and one of the things my therapist asked me to do was to keep a journal of my thoughts over the week, whatever. And I thought about how 
this could be applied to the wizarding world. Mm -hmm. So in my head, what's happening is Hermione is giving Bella the homework of here's a pensive, put memories into it that you want to deal with in our sessions, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like whether or not, I feel like what will happen is Bella will, whether she wants to or not, involuntarily or whatever. But no, let me start this again. Okay, roll it back. So my, my point was, anyway, they end up experiencing the memory of you know, being Mm. in love and having to walk away from that life. And in that moment, Hermione sees Bella's real vulnerability. And and I get this thing of like, there would be resistance there from Bella because she doesn't want Hermione to see it. Mm -hmm. She's kept up this front for a while. But having that barrier broken down allows Hermione to see this side of this torturer Mm -hmm. that she really has never seen before. And if that is possible, then I could see, you know, one falling for the other, Mm -hmm. you know, however that happens. Personally, I don't feel like Hermione would feel comfortable with this, but I could see part of the treatment being taking, like, just, it's just part of it is like they are collecting memories of these people, like either to one, analyze, like for for science, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, just like, just like the life experiences of these people, or to like revisit hand in hand with said person to like like help with the like coping and processing of like and especially like things later on like maybe even things you know difficult things from the war I don't know I just I don't think Hermione would be okay with that but I could see it being a thing like I could see that being something that would happen yeah it's a it borders on the intrusive though it's a bit right. like Veritas serum right. where exactly. once once the person has drunk it mm-hmm. they have no choice so that so I could see um, in the old days of Azkaban before reform, right. I could see Veritaserum being used to obtain confessions out of people mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think if Hermione is coming in to reform this incredibly... Well, we know the wizard, uh, the wizarding world has a really weird view of criminal justice anyway. Yeah. Because no, no one really has a trial. People are just sentenced mm-hmm. and that's fine. And there's Azkaban um, and then there's, there's just Azkaban. <laughs> We don't hear about like probation or like, you know, like just like con- or rehabilitation. You know, rehabilita- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh, you're bad. You go to Azkaban. You know what I mean? It's just like, what? Like, it's just it's it's all or nothing sort of thing. And it's very there's no revolving door prison system. It's no. very black and white. Yeah. And I could see Hermione in particular having a problem with that because she would have, especially being a therapist, she'd have this understanding that everyone's been through trauma. Mm -hmm. So everyone has different coping mechanisms for that. Not all coping mechanisms are healthy. And a lot of destructive behaviour and a lot of toxic behaviour comes from having these incredibly destructive coping mechanisms for what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And I could definitely see that that stuff goes on, whether or not it goes on and she's aware of it Mm -hmm. is a different, uh, different kettle of fish entirely. Now I'm picturing group therapy where Hermione comes and like has like a cookie spread. You know what I mean? Like she just like sets up this whole, like it has like punch and cookies and like has the circle (laughs) of chairs and like maybe starts off with like kind of like the overly like sweet and 
you know, like therapist, whatever, and, and just like slowly over time, like is able to kind of like, you know, change her or whatever. But yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see a bunch of Death Eaters like in a room, like like forced like group therapy and what that would be and the kind of questions Hermione would be like, oh, like Avery, are you ready to share? And says nothing. It's like, okay, let's move on to whoever or something like that. Yeah, like it just, yeah. I think it'd be really funny. There is this really big question of can, can Death Eaters be redeemed? Right. But ultimately on this podcast, if we have redeemed Voldemort... <laughs> By virtue of redeeming Voldemort, we cannot therefore say that any Death Mm -hmm. Eater is also beyond redemption. Exactly. Um, So I would really, from the listeners, like the crack fic where (laughs) Death Eaters are in group therapy. Yes. And they're all, you know, and they each have different issues, but they all, like, are talking to each other about them and being like, I didn't even want to be a Death Eater for any evil reasons. I just thought, I just thought the Dark Mark was was really cool. Yeah. 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 Okay, so now I'm picturing... Hermione's like runs the thing like she might be like the main therapist or psychiatrist or something like that but then Luna runs group therapy (laughs) (laughs) oh no and I also picture like of course like I wouldn't imagine Voldemort being like the only one who could use like legitimacy or whatever like say Bella was Mm -hmm. one of them imagine her trying to get inside Luna's head and just seeing the disaster of whatever like nonsense that's in there is just like whoa like i don't even want to be in there yeah only luna can decipher the um, maze of the maze of well it isn't even madness yeah it's just so childlike in luna's brain that her intelligence hops from one idea to another Mm -hmm. it's sort of like mental hopscotch and bella is just so used to seeing you know these elaborate mazes in people's minds and luna's is just like she's constantly playing so bella just doesn't know how to make sense of it at all Mm -hmm. she's just like whoa this is really really weird but i i have to imagine that there are procedures against performing legitimacy on each other right. because that that would be a real um you know broom in the in the spokes of trying to get any therapy done yeah. because you know there, there'd be no hiding behind clever words people would just know what your intention mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. i picture like the tinfoil hats like from signs you know <laughs> yes. okay i have things to talk about <laughs> So as far as like an alternative use, like getting away from like, okay, yeah, she's evil and joined Voldemort. So let's say a situation where she doesn't. She's actually one of the few who doesn't join Voldemort. But but she's still Bella. Like she's still smart and shrewd and like has like she has all those things, but never was not to the extent of getting involved in that regard. And I think, what is it? um, Stargazer? She's one of our listeners and uh, love her. Hello, Stargazer. Yes, yes, yes. Hello. So one of, um, I just started one of her fix, like, you know, prepping for the podcast, but it was a longer one. So I saved it for later because I wanted to read a bunch of other stuff before I got to that one. Nice. Hers is, starts off focused around, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but Bella didn't join Voldemort. She ended up as a professor at Hogwarts. And so come post-war eighth year is when Hermione, like, has this crush on Bella. Mm -hmm. And Bella 
is actually an animagus and Hermione finds out about that and then Bella teaches her how to become an animagus and all during this time she's like right hot for teacher which of course is great I love the (laughs) the student teacher however they are of age because it's like eighth year whatever so if that's you know nice you know but it's still age difference whatever very nice but I'm excited to keep reading it it's I'm really sucked into it but I'm it's it's definitely the example of why I love Snary so much is it's like I'm seeing Hermione and Harry's perspective and then Bella is in the Snape you know shoes and so I'm really digging that I really like that but it's definitely AU like obviously it's not she's still Bella as I said but she's not like crazy she's just the teacher you don't want to mess with so like that's you know once again gives me Snape vibes so I I yeah. loved it so far I'm excited to keep to keep going with it well that sounds like so much fun and I love the I love the age dynamic I love that they're not aged up or you know to be the, yeah. the, the same age I think it's really interesting to play about in that space for a bit mm-hmm. and see what would happen because obviously eighth year is post-war mm-hmm. so once the what you know once the dust has settled with that mm-hmm. then you can really we you you know, we know I love character exploration as they become adults mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. particularly adult exploration as they become adults. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, I, 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 I just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was an excellent visual bit yes. for our for our um, <laughs> our listeners that are not on Patreon. First of all, why aren't you? Why? And second, <laughs> and second of all, Meg's eyebrow wiggling ability is exquisite. It's Meg exquisite. Exquisite. Oh my goodness. Oh. So, but yes. So they're they're having the uh, student teacher mm-hmm. dynamic that then becomes something mm-hmm. more uh, and learning things from one another. Private lessons and all that. Ooh, another prompt that I keep going back to as like I'm exploring Bella Myony is thinking because I love. What I loved about Tamari was Harry going back in time and fixing things. So I'm like, okay, what would, why would Hermione want to go back in time and fix something, which would then mean she bumps into Bellatrix? So mm-hmm. be that after post-war or before everything, I picture her going back in time to stop the Lestranges from torturing the Longbottoms. Right. So like yes. she goes back yes. to make sure that Neville's parents are never like tortured to insanity so that Neville has, you know, essentially has his parents and, and all that. So then, of course, going back, she's like either maybe she's like following, you know, keeping tabs on the Lestranges or Bella or things like that and trying to figure out when and how this happens and keeping things from happening. Um, who I don't know. I don't know the story. I just know that she goes back in time to save the log bottoms and she runs into Bellatrix and they fall in love at the end. <laughs> well, that's really all I want from this. That's I, it. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I, yeah, it's that thing of where... You know, I'm not a fan of the logistics of time travel, yeah. but I am a fan of the the breadth and scope that time travel gives mm-hmm. you to be able to play around with character. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think part of the reason it's so tough to redeem 
Bellatrix is that we know specifically what she's done. Yeah. A lot of Death Death Eaters were never given details of the crimes no. they commit. But with Bella, we know what she does. We know some of what she does anyway. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, we um, see the trial. We see, you know, like ever and and her lack of like empathy or remorse or guilt as far as like what she's charged for. And yeah. What was it? She was described as like a woman who took her seat like like it was a throne. Ooh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's very proud. Yeah. She's very yeah. proud of being the the Dark Lord's most faithful exactly, servant. Exactly, exactly. That mm-hmm. voice almost verged on Dobby, didn't it? <laughs> that I, was. I mean, Dobby could uh, be the most faithful uh, servant. <laughs> it's the Jar Jar Binks thing, isn't it? Of Jar Jar being a Sith Lord. Oh, mm, Dobby, mm-hmm. Dobby is secretly, you know, the ultimate dark weapon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, 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 yes. Yes, she, Bella is this incredibly imperious, proud lieutenant mm-hmm. of the of the um, the Dark Lord, and she is she's proud of the suffering she inflicts mm-hmm. because it's a it's a symbol of her rise to power mm-hmm. and rise to claim her place as somebody of significance. She clearly wants to be recognised for her talent, mm-hmm. for her you know because. It is talent of a sort. I mean, it's sick and twisted and wrong, but it's in order to do that to someone, you have to be able to. You have to cross that line. And she is incredibly happy to have done it. Mm -hmm. So to be able to intervene before that happens and show her that you don't necessarily need to torture people to insanity... Mm -hmm to feel like you have some relevance, that there is a different story at work for you. That could be incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, as well as that, I keep coming back to this idea that the Harry Potter books needs villains to work because, you know, you have to have a hero's journey, Mm -hmm. you have to have adversaries, you have to have obstacles to overcome. So it's easy when you're just presenting a narrative from one character's perspective to go, oh, they're evil. Yeah. That's all they are. Yeah. They're they're just evil. We don't need to touch that. the end. When you start... Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. When you start coming into fan fiction, you can go, actually, they're more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. And the reason you see them as evil or just presented in that way is because a character needed them that way to advance his story. Mm But that isn't the only story we can tell. Yeah, it's like what um, Big Black Dog said when we were doing the like Wolf Star ish <laughs> episode with <laughs> with Snape. It's like in the first book. I mean, essentially, it's like, oh, he's the mean teacher. Like he's the villain. Like like you're you know you're eleven reading this book and you're just like, oh yeah, like he's you know he's the bad guy. And it, so yeah, like we just kind of see the villains as who they are and and their goals are the same it's almost like one piece versus we see all the individual characters of like everyone's piece to the puzzle like everyone in the order has a different personality and job and and direction but then you're just like oh yeah and then there's all then all the death eaters were there you know it's like it's like oh we're going to do we're gonna deal with the death eaters like it's not necessarily like specific you know, things. We do get those glimpses, especially of like Bellatrix, like as you said, but but yeah, I mean, we definitely are just, we just see them as 
yeah, they're the villain. So I love when we can get in their brains and see all the reasons behind it. Because I mean, especially for like, you know, Bella, I mean, who knows what kind of traumas as a child she could have been through that could have been different from, you know, what Narcissa experienced or what Andromeda experienced. Like, who knows what, you know, what her growing up, you know, situation was. I can't remember who's Who's the oldest? A Bellatrix is the eldest. Yeah. Yeah. So Bellatrix was the oldest. So she definitely had probably the most pressures on her as far as like family goes, um, making a good marriage or things like, which also plays into like, just as someone who has made the choice not to have children, I have a problem with like not that these stories aren't important but it's like hearing a story that the reason why she is what she is was because of something compelled by the fact that she wanted to have kids and couldn't and yeah blah blah so i validate your you know i validate what you said and i completely believe it but for me it's like i just i just picture maybe like maybe she is a lesbian like maybe she does have like a secret love that she wants to be with but then can't because she's like once again skylar sisters (laughs) she has to she's like been arranged to marry rodolphus And so then something happens where, like, she obviously has to keep, you know, said person a secret and is hoping to be able to keep them both. But of course, like, you know, the other person is like, I can't be like your number two or I can't be that plan B or I can't be your dirty little secret. And then it totally like, you know, that was like that was her big heartbreak, you know. So it's just that's that's what I think of when I think of something that she gets lost or broken in love is, you know, something like that, like once again, she had a relationship that was impossible. Like, at least in the regard of, like, Andromeda was, you know, burned off the tree, but it's like, oh, but she still got married. She still had children. Like, she's still, like, you know, as much as they don't like the way the line is going, like, she's still, like, having children versus, like, Bella knows if she had a a life that didn't end with potentially children, which is kind of funny, like, thinking about it because she doesn't, you know, like, as far yeah. as we know in the books and she doesn't she does yeah not. so they're like in the in and they're of the age that they would you know they would have by then for yeah. sure so yeah so i don't know but yeah so that's my that's my two cents on that <laughs> yeah i definitely think you shouldn't be defined as a person by whether or not you choose to have children that that mm-hmm. i absolutely i absolutely agree with that i just think that whatever it whatever it is there needs to be some sort of emotional yeah. um wound there in her oh, past for sure. that that uh causes her to go over the edge yeah. and, and and really lean into her psychotic behavior mm-hmm. So getting to a place where she can be with Hermione in a stable, long-term way is a bit of a stretch for me, depending mm-hmm. on the circumstances mm-hmm. that that happens in. Because ultimately, you know, we've discussed this before, I want everybody to end up in a place where I feel that, that well, maybe if they're not happy, at least it's... Yeah. At least they're getting to a place where it's towards mm-hmm. uh, growth or happiness or whatever, however you want to... You term that, mm-hmm. um, and for you know, it's difficult with a character like Bellatrix because she was so uh, the pendulum of her life had swung so far one way 
that it is hard to conceptualize bringing that back into the center again Mm -hmm. and you know moving forward in a healthier way but if anybody could do it if anyone could get through to her Mm -hmm. i'm convinced it is somebody like hermione Mm -hmm. whose clinical no-nonsense you know laser of truth can cut through whatever defenses bella puts up i really do love the idea that their aftercare Mm. is really is really like weirdly fluffy Mm -hmm. because it's so like i love that image i love the i don't necessarily see them in a domestic fluff situation but i definitely see the heat and intensity of their play together being matched against an equally fluffy Mm -hmm. aftercare Mm -hmm. type situation and i want the characters to get there it's just i i have that mental image in my head i just don't know how they get there Mm -hmm. so if you if you listening (laughs) and i am talking to you directly now have ideas about how to get the characters there let me know so that i so that you can write that or I can write that. <laughs> we can write it together. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. No, I love that. I also really like the idea of Bellatrix being the spy versus Snape. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So like she's actually, you know, part of the order and she's the one who's kind of, you know, been the one. So of course she's, you know, interacts with, you know, Hermione and the order and everything like that. And I could see... Hermione being very impressed by her like that's an opportunity for her to like she like maybe when she's younger looks up to Bellatrix like her bravery her you know everything that she does to putting herself out there again and again and then maybe later on when Hermione's older like that that feeling of admiration and awe or like shifts into something you know a bit different yes yeah Yeah, absolutely um I definitely think as your as you grow up the people you venerate like the gloss can come off that yeah, a, a little yeah. bit. Um, and growing up is as much about redefining your relationships with everybody is as it is about exploring your uh, relationships romantically. So for Hermione, who is very astute, as mm-hmm. we've already talked about, to have that, to decide to go, do you know what? I could probably have my pick of most wizards but or witches but i want to explore this side of myself with someone who i wouldn't be expected to like Mm -hmm. or to get along with and i love that i love that that could be a form of rebellion for hermione Mm -hmm. which is gonna be like do you know what you know, maybe we can like wear matching corsets. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I I just I I love the idea of like Hermione turning up at a party that Ron organizes or uh-huh. something, and she's just and she's got the uh, she's transformed her hair to be like Bellatrix's, mm-hmm. and the, and they turn up wearing matching corsets, and she's and Bellatrix just sort of saunters in like Weasley, <laughs> and I just. I just love that Mm -hmm. if their relationship develops to a point where Hermione is happy Mm -hmm. and satisfied that it's not going to be this hurt thing Mm -hmm. that then everybody else in the universe has to adjust accordingly. And the potential for comedy there Mm -hmm. is so ripe for the picking. I just, I'd love to see that. There there are so many scenes that I want the characters to be Mm -hmm. in. And I just... I see that the potential for the relationship is huge. 
I just, in this instance, don't know how to make it yeah. work so it so it sticks. Um, and I think we normally do a thing near the end of the episodes where, you know, we ask each other, do you ship it? Well, this one's kind of complicated. Yeah, it depends because, on the situation. Yeah. yeah. Like I... Exactly. Yeah, I see it. Like I understand it. I can see the situations that it does happen. But I mean, but at just as me not being like, a, you know, femme slash, like I'll read it, like, but I'm not like all into it. But I can see why people like it. And I see what, why it can be played with and all the different stuff. Obviously, we spent over an hour talking about it. But it <laughs> just like... Yeah. There's like lots of instances that it works and i do love the idea of the redeemed villain i do love the idea of finding love against all odds so i just i think that yeah it can it can end up being very beautiful and i think there's only like i don't know like at most 2000 well, i say only <laughs> but serious but still only 2000 bellamini i think stories on ao3 um there needs to be more especially all of these ideas that we just had speaking yeah. of so speaking of ideas that we come up on the podcast. Yes. So I made a blog called on, on Tumblr called ASIO Fic. So it's asio-fic.tumblr.com where we'll post pretty much we're going to have to go back and listen to all of our shit, but find all of the prompts that we've come up with on the podcast as well as random ones that just come into our brain otherwise, um, which is often. Mm -hmm. And you can submit your own, which is great. So it's just going to be like a multi-ship, what you know, like, I mean, it's it's Care of Magical Shippers. Like, it's it's everything that we have and represent. It's just all, anything goes. So it's just going to have relatively regular prompt posts. And yeah, I'm really excited to see if and when things get made from it. Otherwise, yeah, they're there looking cool. <laughs> yep. Yes, they are. And I should stipulate for our UK listeners, that is... Axio oh yeah, Accio. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm the Jim Dale yeah. person, so Accio is yeah. what I say. Yeah, so Accio is what they say in the films, yeah. but again, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it because it's not accelerate. You you know. Anyway, so that so it's a double c i o hyphen fic yes. dot tumblr yes. dot com. Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> so go link. and check out all of those prompts. Mm -hmm. Uh, because some of the, well, a lot of them <laughs> were mine. <laughs> you, you, you heard me coming up with them. This is what my brain does. Mm -hmm. I come up with a prompt, but I have uh, too much ADD to actually sit down mm -hmm. and write the full fix. So this is where you geniuses can come exactly. in and help me out because mm -hmm. I just, I really, I'm, I'm craving that, that fic validation. <laughs> so, you know, if you, if you see an idea of mine and you're like, yeah, it's not. It's not too mm -hmm. bad. Might want to. Might want to write something. It'll, they'll all be there. Um, uh, Megs has some brilliant ideas as well. Uh, you all have wonderful stuff that you post in the Discord mm -hmm. that we're like, yeah, this is some real fire. So I have no doubt that, that nice ideas will be appearing there at semi regular intervals, and you should check that. Wow, this was really long. Yes. And also as a side. Would be like me, would it? <laughs> Another side note. Another one. No. So literally today I discovered that there is also another Harry Potter prompt blog called Asio Prompts. <laughs>
Are you serious? I'm serious. And I had no idea it existed. So whoever has that thing, like, I'm sorry if it seems like I stole your idea. <laughs> but I literally, I genuinely didn't know it was a thing. And I was like, because Asiofic is something that I use in the Discord. So I was like, oh, that's like, yeah, I'm like calling for fix to be written. And then someone was like, oh, I sent in prompts. And I'm like, we don't have any messages. And they're like, oh, aren't you SEO prompts? I'm like, no, no, we're not. And I go and look and I'm like, oh my God. Like the, like the, it just the same feel, an 18 plus HP prompt thing. Oh, but it's no. like, <laughs> just like, but it hasn't been active in over 70 days. So I'll give it, I'll give it that. I'll make some excuses for that. But there's dupes, there's dupes of tons of, you know, blogs. It's not like there can only be one, obviously. Like, yeah, do you, yeah. Do you know what? There are also a lot of other Harry Potter podcasts. Yes, exactly. On one hand, sorry, but also you're welcome. Depending on the type of prompts you might get, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> if it gets sent yeah, in that, to SEO that's a, prompts, that's a definite. That should be our Discord welcome yeah. message right there. Sorry, but also you're yes. welcome. No, but also, while we're talking about links and things that you should do, mm. please, please, please get in touch with us on Telegram. Yes. We are sure that you have lovely voices. <laughs> and even if you think, but my voice sounds like it's passing through a cheese grater. <laughs> I, I want to hear from you. Like, I love, if in case you hadn't noticed, we both love speaking. That's why we have a podcast yeah. together. We love talking Harry Potter. I would love to hear from you. I, uh, you know, I would just love to have that instantaneous audience mm-hmm. interaction. Mm-hmm. It would really brighten my day to have just a voice message from yeah. you. Or alternatively, you can travel to the cutting edge of the 1990s <laughs> and leave us a voicemail on our Google Voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, t- in terms of social media and how we'll be checking that, mm-hmm. while you can still message us everywhere and we encourage you to do it, if you want to message us and get a fairly quick response, mm-hmm. please do it on Tumblr because yes. that's what we check most and it's the easiest to manage. Mm-hmm. It, it, maybe it's a symptom of like lockdowns or I whatever, but but that the, the, the necessity for human interaction has particularly peaked in me. And I'm just saying, do you, do you want to talk about Harry Potter? Just come yes. to our Telegram and we'll do that thing. There are other things available for mm-hmm. you to do as well. For instance, if you want to email me a rage <laughs> essay about how inarticulate <laughs> I am, send, send mm-hmm. that to careofmagicalshippers at gmail.com and be sure to mention my terrible synonym skills at being unable to find another mm-hmm. word for mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. or mmm. I'm going on to word hippo and making a list of other words that we can use to with it. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, speaking of lockdown, so... So, oh, yeah. I nice know, I'm, segue. I'm really, nice I'm real segue. Good. I'm real good you, at this. You are... Totes profesh. Totes profesh. I'm I'm blown away. Okay. So as for our next episode, we're actually getting into our first like crack pairing. Finally! Finally! I'm so You're gonna look at this and be like, what the fuck is wrong with them? Like this makes no sense. Mm. Uh well that's the point, you know? We're just gonna have fun with it and have nothing to go off of and it's gonna be great. So we're doing Minerva McGonagall slash Gilderoy Lockhart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what was it I, I came up with mock heart 
as like a ship. Yes. Mate. What was the other ones we played with? I can't remember. Lock Gonagal. Tart. What was it? Tart. Tartan heart. Tart. Yeah. Yeah. Tart. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know what you think. I'm just, I, yeah. But anyway, so that is going to be so much fun. Very silly. Um, so especially for those that didn't listen to this really dark pod, you know, pod episode, that one's going to be very fun. So it's definitely going to be playful. And, um, but I'm sure we'll still get into some fun, kinky stuff because we're on a roll. So that's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's us. Yeah. You wouldn't expect anything different from us by now, right? I mm-hmm. mean we're we're what fourteen episodes in at this oh, point. Gosh, I know thirteen, fourteen yeah. episodes in. I I feel like we're we have established ourselves as very eighteen plus friendly, mm-hmm. and for the listeners to expect anything else, yeah. especially after this, <laughs> they're like, no, yeah, we we've locked yes. in. We we are we've we've chosen a path and we are setting it now so with that in mind come mm-hmm. back next week to indulge us well next two weeks we always say next week and we're sorry to disappoint you it's always two weeks oh yeah yeah <laughs> next time yeah, we're a, we're a, we release on a bi-weekly we rotation go. every other monday <laughs> so check back every other monday for a new episode Yay! do that thing <laughs> Okay, was that was this... that our was that our exit? <laughs> well, we haven't we haven't said bye. We can't. We can't. Said bye. We okay. can't. So we, we have to we have to leave the listeners with something. Still... Am I going to have to go land ho <laughs> again? Know. Please I, don't I, make st- me make land ho a thing. <laughs> we still oh. and we still have no idea how to say goodbye to you guys. Like we just time it's li- to say goodbye. What? No, I can't sing. <laughs> what Let's not do is- that. Have you never heard oh that song? No. Okay, listeners, please validate me. I need I need to know other people have heard that song. I'm going to be making a Care of Magical Shippers playlist on Spotify. <laughs> that song is going on the playlist. I need to know that I'm not being incredibly stupid with this. So what are what are some other songs that mention um Okay, so we we're, we're going to be signing off with NSync today. Bye bye bye. <laughs> bye 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> While you're waiting for the next episode, all the shipping fun can continue online. You can head over to all of our social media platforms like Magical Ship Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Care of Magical Shippers on Tumblr. You can get in touch with us by email at careofmagicalshippers at gmail.com or you can leave us a voice message with all of your ship and fic thoughts and feels and have the chance to be featured on a future pod episode. We are also live on Patreon. Patrons have access to early episodes, bonus content, extended uncut episodes with all of our nonsense, ficlets written by me, exclusive merch, and a patron discord. Another easy way to show your love for the pod is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much for listening.